0: This morning, we're going to be in Luke chapter 24. If you don't have a Bible, there's some at the table scattered around here. There's some at that back table there, the connect table. If I haven't met you yet, uh, there's a few new faces here this morning. My name's Chris, and along with Wade, I get the joy of pastoring and equipping and serving this family, uh, this church here, this family of missional communities called Missio Dei, which is Latin for the mission of God, uh, that we believe that God is and has been on this mission of bringing healing and restoration and renewal and resurrection to the world. And not only is he on this mission, but he actually chooses to partner with humanity. Those who he made in his image, he has called us to join him in that work. And we now, recipients of that mission, those of us who have found new life and resurrection in Jesus, get to join in that work of sharing that with the world around us. So that's who we are, that's what we believe, and that's really what today is all about, and that's what every day is all about. Uh, But today is such a beautiful, good reminder of that all the more. And so this morning, we're celebrating resurrection. We're celebrating new life. We're celebrating restoration of broken things. We're celebrating Something that is so incredibly good that it should just astound us and blow us away each day. And yet the reality is we have not just tragedies like we just heard of, but we have all kinds of distractions and even good things that are going on in our world day by day that we fail to stop and reflect on just how incredible this is. I shot a text to our leaders this morning, uh, my other brothers in, in leadership here, and just said, you know, what a... Beautiful, glorious thing this is, and that may our hearts be astounded, the way that Jesus's followers and friends and family were that first day of resurrection. Like, may that be that good for us today. Even this morning, I I was laying there in bed, and I heard my kids. They were all up, and they were in the bathroom. And so I went out, and I said to my wife, "I was like, where are the kids at?" And she said, "They're in the bathroom." They're getting ready. They're all brushing their teeth. And so I ran into their bathroom. I opened the door and I said, have you heard the news? And they're like, huh? (laughs) Have you heard the news? He's alive. He's alive. This changes everything. Jesus is risen. And they look at me and they go, dad, why aren't you wearing any clothes? And I said, I was so excited I didn't have time to get dressed. It's good news. And so that's why I put on a tie for you all this morning. (laughs) So that when I shared that good news in front of you, it would be a little less awkward. But it is good news. On Friday, many of us gathered in here Friday night. And it was a different feel. It was a much different feel. Uh, It was dark in this room. We had red and, and black draped over the cross to signify death and blood. We had a, a crown of thorns hanging on the top. We, we sat around here together and we sang songs a little bit differently than we sang them this morning. And we heard the story of Jesus giving everything, giving his entire life for the world. We heard the story of him going to the cross and then being put in the grave and we sat around here we had the cross down here we sat around here together in just silent reflection and prayer and we heard those final words in luke 23 that jesus breathed his last and we walked out quietly and on saturday most of us didn't see each other but today's a new day Today is a much different day. My favorite word in our text this morning, which is in Luke 24, verses 1 through 12, and I'm just giving you a snapshot. We're going to get into the text in a little bit. That first word, but. But on the first day of the week. You see, what happened for Jesus' followers and friends at that time is they just witnessed the person who was supposed to save them The person who was going to rescue them out of the oppression of Rome. He was supposed to be their king and come in victoriously. That's why on Palm Sunday last week, we recognized that they were laying down their coats and their palms. And Jesus was proceeding into the city as a triumphant king. This guy was going to come in and overthrow the Roman oppressors. And he was going to make Israel a nation again, they thought. And life would be good. Just like their ancestors were promised to go to this this promised land flowing with milk and honey and you would never have need or want for anything. That's who this Jesus was supposed to be and on Friday night, on Friday night they witnessed him being beat, mocked, spat upon, cursed, and murdered. And many of them in the process turned away And they denied ever even knowing him out of fear. Imagine them leaving that Friday night to their homes. The fear, the shame, the confusion, maybe the anger, and the sorrow they must have felt. And on Saturday, they were given no answers. Saturday, they sat there in silence. God how could this have happened maybe some of us feel that way even today as we come in here and celebrate easter uh, maybe it's a, it's a much different situation that is causing those same questions and those same feelings to stir up within your own heart and your own thoughts but perhaps some of you are sitting here going god what what is going on where are you why are you allowing this and you feel like you have no answers. But on the first day of the week, Jesus went to his death on Friday. Saturday was the Sabbath. Saturday was a day of rest where they laid Jesus to rest in the grave. And Sunday was a new day for a new week. And not only did it change everything for those people, but it was a moment in history, as Bethany read earlier this morning, that changed everything for the entire world, for all of the cosmos. All of the universe has been changed because of that one moment. Something took place on that Sunday that changed everything, that made these men and women who were afraid and full of shame and guilt, and doubt. Even the men who denied ever knowing Jesus suddenly were risking their very lives to tell people what had happened. Have you heard the good news? Did you hear? He's alive. And they went out boldly telling people. Peter, the guy who denied him three times in one day, went out preaching to thousands of people, That this Jesus is not only who he says he was, but he has conquered death and sin and Satan and he has made the way for you and I to be made new and whole again. To restore us into relationship with God and to be the people we were created to be. That's good news. What changed to make him so bold in that? What was different this time? If you were here with us last week, you, you heard Wade talk about this. There were lots of people who came to claim to be this rescuing king Israel was waiting for. Uh, Wade talked about one of them, one of the more famous ones, Judah Maccabee. But listen, there were several. And we don't know most of their names. Why do we know Jesus's? Why do we have brothers and sisters being attacked in Sri Lanka for a faith in the same Jesus we're worshiping this morning? What changed? Because those other men, they came in and they had this procession into the city too as a victorious king. And they went into the temple like Jesus did. And they cleansed out the temple. And they, they had this toe-to-toe, face-to-face confrontation with the oppressors of God's people. And like Jesus, they were put to death for it. But unlike Jesus... They stayed in that grave. The resurrection changes everything. Suddenly, everything Jesus claimed must be true. Suddenly, everything Jesus claimed has far more power than it seemed to have before. I think Easter, family, should be the greatest day of our year. Even more so than Christmas. Christmas is great. And we celebrate that God came down into a broken world, right? God saw this mess that we had made. He saw the hurt and the confusion and the fear in our own lives. And he entered in and he said, I am coming to be with you. And Jesus showed us how to live the way we're supposed to live. As as a true humanity made in the image of God, Jesus showed us this is what the image of God looks like. Right? Right? That's good. We celebrate Christmas. God came into the world. But what does Easter do? Easter gives us the power to live out that calling. Easter brings us to the power of the spirit to raise us out of our brokenness, to raise us out of our fear, out of our shame, out of our confusion, so that we can actually walk in the ways that Jesus walked so that we could become that new humanity, that image of God, the way Jesus was on this earth. This is is what changes our very identity. Not just the world, not just history, but you. Who you are. Jonas this morning, my son, he said, Dad, wouldn't it be cool, this is after I was dressed, He said, Dad, wouldn't it be cool if you could just always see yourself? I was like, what are you talking about? Yesterday, we were jumping in the pool, and it was freezing. But we were trying to see how big were our splashes. And he was like, you know, like when we were jumping in the pool, like you could see how big your own splash was. Like if you had like a drone maybe flying over you all the time, and it let you see yourself. And so, like, you could see how big your splash was when you're walking down the street. You could, like, see how you're walking and, like, correct your posture. And I was like, who thinks of this stuff? <laughs> My 10-year-old son does, apparently. And I, I think, like, isn't that we're all trying to see ourselves a little bit better? We're all trying to, to understand ourselves a little bit more. I, I think all of the world is looking for that, like, who am I? What is my identity? And we're searching in all kinds of places to find meaning for that, to define what our identity is. And you guys, it's found this morning. It's found that morning that the tomb was empty. It's found that morning that death was no more. It's found that morning that Jesus, the image of God, the perfect son of God, the perfect Humanity extends his power to you and I who were once stuck in dead, in in our death. He extends that power to you and I to pull us out of the grave and join him to become who we were always created to be. And when Jesus shows up in Luke 24, and don't worry, yes, we'll get to it. And he shows up and he starts revealing himself to people again. He starts showing up to his friends again. And they're like, this is incredible. How is this possible? You know what Jesus does to explain it? He goes, let me tell you the story of the world. In Luke 24, he starts going, well, let me tell you about everything you read from Moses and the prophets. You know it. Let me explain it to you. And what he means by that is everything Moses wrote, which is... The first five books of the Old Testament, everything you know about creation, everything you heard the prophets say when you guys were, when Israel was wandering and trying to figure out what's going on with this world, and all of it was pointing to me. And so I think it's fitting for us to do the same this morning. Like, if we're going to understand the resurrection in light of Good Friday, if we're going to understand celebration, and we're, we're going to celebrate afterwards with a barbecue with baptisms, and if we're gonna understand celebration in light of the brokenness and the tragedies of this world, we gotta know what story we're living in, right? And so many of us are trying to make sense of the story of this world. And here's what I I wanna just submit to you, especially if you're sitting here this morning and you haven't heard this story, or you've heard this story and you go, that's crazy. You guys worship a guy who supposedly came back to life thousands of years ago? It does sound crazy. I just want to say with you, like, yeah, it sounds insane, right? But life is crazy. And when I look around and I see how this body pumps blood and takes in oxygen, and my brain tells my hands to do this right now, and, like, that's insane to me. I don't understand it. And then how this life could join with that life and three more unique persons come out of that. It astounds me when I see the plants and how they give oxygen and food to the insects, that give food to the animals. Like this ecosystem and how it works perfectly together and how the sun perfectly orbits, or the earth perfectly orbits around the sun just the right way. Like That's all insane, you guys. I can't comprehend it and so our options are our options are either we do what most of Americans do today and we just try to push it out of our heads because it's too much and we just live for right now and let me tell you that's probably the most insane thing with the beauty and the wonderment of life all around us that we're just thinking about what we're going to do for fun what we're going to eat for our next meal, when we're gonna go see the Avengers when it comes out, like we're, what Instagram posts we're gonna make next, right? That's insane. That's one option. Or you can choose to find a story to explain all this. And one story looks at the physical world and tries to make sense in a rational, scientific, logical explanation which when you really strip it down, doesn't sound that rational, scientific, and logical that things just collided and somehow we're here, right? That takes faith too. I want you to know that. Or we look for a hope in something else. Like we recognize it can't just be this physical world. There's gotta be something else. There's gotta be something more. There's gotta be something after. And we start looking to all these different religions and a lot of them sound crazy too. So you can either look for an explanation for this physical world or you can go, I'm going to remove myself from that and look for an explanation for a spiritual world that's going to last longer. And I want to tell us this morning that this story is the only story that makes sense of both. That brings them together. Because they were never meant to be separate. And it makes sense of the brokenness of this physical world and the hope of something to come. And it brings them together. And it makes sense of the hurt that you feel even right now as you reflect down what happened this week and the hope that we have found in Jesus and the resurrection. And it brings them together. It's the only story that offers that. And so what I want us to hear as I share this story and the quickest way I can do it is that yes, it sounds insane. Because it's so far beyond what we can imagine. And yet, that it's a good story. Like, I want you to hear this story and go, if I don't believe that's true, like, man, I wish it was. That's a good story. And it's the only story that can make sense of it all. And so when Jesus reveals himself to his friends, and he starts telling them from the beginning, this is what happened and i don't know exactly what jesus's words were it says that he he started to reveal to them everything that happened from the books moses wrote through the prophets till now and so i'm going to do my best to do that in short form i'm sure not nearly as well as jesus did but the way that that happened the way that the story works is that there is a god who created all things That things didn't smash together and just happen by accident. That there is someone who was intentional about it, who designed it, who had thought for it, but also care for it. There is a, a God who created all things for him, by him, and through him. And was there and present. And that as God created all things, he created one creature to stand out from the rest. Humanity was to be a representative of God himself. Made in his image, showing the rest of creation what God himself is like. And so God makes man and woman. And they're his, his partners in a way. Like, all of this I made, but I'm giving you control over it. And I'm letting you enjoy it all. So go enjoy it. There's just one thing, I want you to trust me. Trust me for all things life. I gave life to you, will you trust me for life? If you choose not to trust me, the natural consequence will be death. And so that's how the story starts, but the story is filled with a lot of buts. But the man and the woman chose not to trust God, and they chose to define life for themselves outside of him. And sure enough, just as God promised, person of his word everything started falling apart and death started entering into this world decay broken relationships but god gave them a promise that one day he would send someone to make it all right again he would send someone to fix what they had broken and to rescue them from their rebellion to restore them back into relationship with himself to resurrect what had been dead and so God's people move forward and they, they're holding on to this promise. And they tell their children about it and their children's children and their children's children's children. And this community has developed over time of people holding out for this promise of God. But all the while, they also forget it from time to time. And they keep looking for other things to meet their immediate gratification while they're waiting for this future hope. Yeah, yeah, we we know one day there will be a resurrection. But right now, this seems to satisfy me. Does that sound familiar to any of us in here? Do we live our lives that way? And so you have years and years and generations and generations of this continuing. But God continues to send people to bring his word to them, to bring his promise to them, to put it at the forefront of their minds, to remind them. Who he is and how he's in control, and how one day he will restore all things. But they continue to choose to rebel against him. And eventually, there's just silence. 400 years, they don't hear this promise from God coming from the prophets again. 400 years, they're wondering, as Jesus' friends did on that Saturday, what is going on? Where are you, God? Why are you allowing this to happen? But one day, one day God breaks in and he enters into the world because all along he had seen them, he had heard them, he heard their cries, he knew their concerns, he knew their hurts. He heard them and he came. And Christmas comes. Jesus enters into the world and he does show us how to live as true humanity. And he goes around doing These remarkable things that only God could do. Showing this perfect partnership that once existed and was supposed to still exist between God and humanity. Son of God, son of man, Jesus, fully both. That's what true humanity looks like. Loving your neighbor. Loving your God. Feeding those who are in need. Clothing those who are in need speaking good news to those who need to hear it, caring for the poor and the oppressed. He goes around performing miracles and loving people, sitting down at tables with people and eating with the people that nobody else wanted to eat with the outcasts of society, restoring community and relationship with others, healing the sick, Letting those who couldn't walk before get up and walk. Those who couldn't see before open their eyes and see. And even bringing people who were dead and buried back into life as a picture of what he was going to do finally and fully. One story of that occurs actually right before Jesus' final week on this earth. Right before we started celebrating Holy Week, where Jesus enters on Palm Sunday into Jerusalem as a triumphant king. And he goes and enters the temple and cleanses it. And he starts having these discussions and debates with the religious leaders. And they decide, we don't like this. And they start planning to kill him. Just a week before that week, Jesus gets news of a friend of his who had passed away. Think about how remarkable that is, that this is the son of God. This is the creator of all things himself who has chosen to enter into this world and into our brokenness. And he has friends here. He makes friends with people like you and I. And if you know the story, if you've heard the story about this friend of his name, Lazarus, you know what's coming. Jesus gets word That Lazarus has passed away. And he goes, No, 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 he's just sleeping. And everyone's like, You're crazy. And so Jesus waits intentionally for a while before he goes to go visit him, so that in Jewish custom, if he's dead three days, he's really dead. You know it, he's not getting up. And Jesus gets there and he meets Lazarus' sisters, he meets his other friends, Mary and Martha. And he hears them say, if you were here, maybe he would have lived because we've seen you do some amazing stuff, Jesus. But you're too late. He's already dead and they're they're mourning. And Jesus knows, just like if you've heard this story, you know what's going to happen next. But Jesus still weeps with them. The God who entered into our brokenness, he enters into that moment of brokenness with them. He knows full well he's going to, with a word, say, Lazarus, get up. And he's going to have life again. He's going to have air filling his lungs again. And yet, Jesus weeps. And that doesn't mean like he had a little sniffle, a little teary eye. He lost it over the brokenness of death. This is not the way it's supposed to be. I had to do a funeral a few weeks ago for a 21-year-old girl. I don't know if she knew Jesus. I didn't know her. I knew some of her family members. And there was a lot of people there. I don't know if they, how many of them knew Jesus. And I was thinking, what hope do I have to give them? And I think like Jesus, like, hey, how do you make sense of death and brokenness and a hope? You you do it in the story. Let me tell you the story. And so I got to tell the story. And I got to share this story. You're mourning right now in the midst of loss and death. And I want you to know you have a God who sees and hears and weeps with you. Whatever you're struggling through right now, Jesus weeps over that brokenness with you. But then he goes and in his power, he raises Lazarus out of that grave, out of that death. Lazarus has life again. And they throw a party as I think is fitting, right? Like this person was dead, he's now alive. That's amazing. Let's have a dinner party and invite everybody we know and tell them about this. And Jesus, again, knowing what's going to come next, knowing he's just but a week away from entering into death himself now, the fullness of it, three days, really dead. He also enters into that party with them. He enters into the celebration. He, he's there in the moment and he celebrates and rejoices. This man was dead. He is now alive. This is good news. That, that's amazing to me. He knows the sorrow and the pain that's coming for him next. And yet he celebrates with those who can only see today. But Jesus does go to his own death himself. And it's filled with pain and sorrow. And not just the physical pain that he endured with the whips and the fists and the nails and the thorns. But the pain of having people who have lived life with you every single day for years turn their backs on you. The pain of someone who you gave everything for selling you out for some change. The pain... Of the very people he came to fulfill this promise for, this promise that one day there would be one to come and set all things right, mocking him, spitting on him. The pain of feeling like this union he had with his father for all of eternity, he was suffering the loss of that. But turn with me to Luke 24, verses 1 through 12. Hebrews tells us it was joy that was set before him that he endured the cross. Luke 24 says this, but on the first day of the week, listen to how many statements there are like this. This was happening, but. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. This was a big, heavy stone. But when they went in, stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves and he went home marveling at what had happened. This was the moment that everything changed. Did they still endure pain and sickness and death after this? Yeah. Do you and I still endure those things? Yeah. But what they saw here What they saw here was the seed of something that was going to flourish and grow to full fruition. What they saw here was the first fruits of what is called the resurrection. Jesus, the true humanity, the one who came to show us how to be true humanity ourselves, has conquered death. And he wants you and I to walk in his footsteps. So much so that in 50 days from this moment, he would send the very power he did this with, his own spirit, to enter into those people who believed him. That they too would have the power to overcome death. That's the power Peter had to go out and preach to thousands when he was scared just a few days ago. It was when the spirit entered into them. We celebrate Easter on one day, and we, we do an egg hunt and all those things, and it's fun, but we forget that actually there's a whole season of it in the church calendar. Just like Christmas. We, we celebrate Christmas that one day. All right, we're done. Let's throw the wrapping paper away, wait for those toys to break. Right, but there's a whole season of Advent leading up to it. There's a whole season of Lent leading up to Easter. But did you know there's a whole season called Easter Tide after this that leads us up to the day of Pentecost. That's the day when the spirit enters into God's people. The church received the gift that Jesus promised. The father giving his spirit that we can now live resurrected lives to. That we, you and I, walking in the footsteps of Jesus, can be that new humanity. That even in the midst of whatever brokenness you're dealing with. Not only do you have a hope for the future, but it's a hope that says, I hear you and I see you in the hurt even now. It's a comfort from the spirit that allows us to endure. It's a peace from God that we share with other people. It's a perseverance that can only be empowered through his strength. And it's a hope and a joy that will never fade away. Because all the other things, all the hurts and the brokenness, those will fade. But what lasts is the joy of God. And so for the joy that was before Jesus, he was fully submersed into death. He was baptized into death. Did you know that's what that word means? It doesn't mean dunking in water. It means being immersed in something. Jesus was baptized. He talks about this. He he talks about his death using the same words he talked about in the days of Noah when the earth was baptized and immersed in water, that he had his own baptism to go to and it was going into the grave. But because he is also fully immersed in the power of God in the Holy Spirit, he rose out victorious. 50 days later, Church, could we maybe celebrate Eastertide this year? Could we not just use one day of celebrating resurrection? But can we like look forward to, Could we spend 50 days longer than our 40 days of Lent, of lamenting and sorrow and sin and fasting, 50 days of feasting? There's a feast coming. That's the end of the story. Jesus is returning He is returning and we will live with him forever and there will be a great feast, a party, a celebration. Like at the end of when Lazarus was raised, they threw a party. There's gonna be a much greater party when we are resurrected and sitting alongside Jesus, the first resurrected. Living eternally with him. So in 50 days from this moment, the church is baptized with the Holy Spirit. Immersed with who the Holy Spirit is, completely clothed in him and empowered by him. And they go out and they say, this is available for you too. And now we have people in Sri Lanka, we have people in Brazil, we have people in Thailand, in India, in South America, all over the states. Thousands of years later, this is still a God who hears and sees our hurts and it's still a God who comes down to us and still a God who chooses to baptize us in him to give us a new identity. You know, Matthew chooses to end his recounting of the gospel by sharing how Jesus comes and he says, I want you now to baptize other, to go and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the name of, you are given a new identity in who God is. What are you looking for to fill your identity this morning? Is it in your work? Your children? Your abilities? Those are all good things and gifts from the Lord. Brothers and sisters, may our identity be in that empty tomb. In the resurrection. In the power of the Holy Spirit that covers us if we follow Jesus. Jesus. And allows us to walk in new life. But some doubted, it tells us. Seemed idle tale. And they did not believe. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. He looked. He inspected for himself. And it says he went home marveling at what they had happened. At what had happened. Church, we can either hear this tale and go, that's crazy. There's no way. And that's, that's not just to people who maybe are unchurched and have come here for the first time. That's, that's to all of us who sit here each week. And we say we believe these things, but practically when the weights of the world, when the pressures of life get to us, we fail to truly believe it here in our heart. I mean, that's an idle tale. That's, there's no way. There's nothing to do for... What my marriage is going through right now. That's nothing to say about how I just lost this person I love deeply. This has nothing to say about my illness that I suffer with every day, right? Or we can be like Peter, and we can hear this good news and go, "I hope that's true. Let me run and inspect it for myself. Let me go take a look." And may we, like Peter, go home marvelled by what has happened. Amen. Let's pray.